Well, uh, if you are looking for a job, you are looking for a business, you want to know how to elevate yourself, how to pitch your business out there, you're looking for funders, this is the time for you. 0614104107, that's the WhatsApp number to send your pitch to. It mustn't be longer than, uh, let's say, 40 minutes. Um, and uh, be have give us all the details, give us all the juicy details, your unique selling propositions, and how people can contact you. Or you can call in on 86 Today, we are joined by Talent Acquisition Lead for Sub-Saharan Africa at uh, Mondela's uh, uh, International, Khunzi Madumo. Khunzi, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, my Julie. It's a pleasure to be here. I am excited that uh, you have joined us, right? Because uh, you're going to make us uh, aware of things that should be done when one is looking for uh, employment. Firstly, let's talk a bit about you. Um, you've got a master's degree in industrial and organizational psychology. Um, tell us uh, more about your experience as well within uh, helping people be placed in the right jobs. Mm. So, yeah, I do have a master's in industrial psychology and all my qualifications, interestingly, were studied part-time, Patricia, so while I worked. Um, so that's a big thing. I think it's a difficult thing to achieve, and but it's encouraging for people, and I hope that they take that. I've worked in various uh, industries in talent acquisition, so petrochemical, retail, currently at Mondelez. So we are a snacking company. We are responsible for all your favorite snacks. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I love talent acquisition. It's a space that I absolutely enjoy, um, you know, putting a smile on people's faces when you tell them that they've, you know, succeeded in getting an opportunity that they really desired is something that's really fulfilling for me. But also, you know, I am also uh, keen on helping people outside of uh, my job. Uh, I started a YouTube platform called Kulanati where I speak to um, to, uh, topics that are interesting to people in terms of just preparing for the world of work and as well as careers and opportunities and careers. So this is really my passion. Um, I, I love what I do. Well, you know what? I'm going to say your passion is really something that we need as South Africans right now. Your experience that is very similar to most of us as South Africans uh, having to work and uh, study at the same time is experience that inspires. So for a person who's currently listening and saying, oh, I've been submitting my CV or resume, and mm. for some reason, no one is responding. How can mm. I make my CV stand out? Yeah. And, and you know, CVs matter, right? They do matter. I don't want to, uh, to say they don't. But more important is what is on the content of your CV. So, you know, I think we overemphasize formats and, you know, people will say, I'm going to help you format your CV and make it look good. And that's important. It matters. But it's not as important as the content, right? So, I mean, if you, what's important to understand about a CV is that recruiters look at it for less than a few, just a few seconds and they move on to the next one. So you want it to be short. You want it to be simple. You want it to be clear. You want to state your latest job or your latest um, you know experience at the top first so that that's seen first and I mean it just I stay away from you know sharing information that is not necessary like addresses um, your religious beliefs 
um, whether you're married or not, though that kind of stuff doesn't matter. Just just take up space and there's an opportunity there where you could just do the skills or something other than that. So, you know, you can be, your, your CV is also aligned to the type of job that you're in. So if you're a marketer, you can be creative. It could be a little bit more colorful than an accountant, for example. So those are things to consider. But when it comes to CVs, I must stress that it's the content um, that matters more than the look and the feel of the CV. All right. I'm taking a quick break. When we come back, I want you to help us understand what are recruiters actually looking for um, during a hiring process? Because if you're saying the CV matters, the content must be on point, but the recruiter themselves, um, if they're getting 100 resumes, how do they choose that one specific one? We continue on Ijobi Job. We are joined by Hunsi Maduma, Talent Acquisition Lead for Sub-Saharan Africa at Mondelez International. We are helping you up your game. We've spoken about how to make your resume or your CV stand out from the rest. And now we are going to be assisted to understand what are recruiters looking for when they are going through the hiring process? Hunze, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, it just depends on the job, right? So when we advertise a role, and I think this is something important for people to understand, we're only legally allowed to place the inherent requirements of the job. So what does that mean? It means what we have determined is required to be successful in that particular job. So we can't say blue eyes and, you know, or, you know, red hair, whatever the case is. It's, it's really what it takes to be successful at the job. So when you see a job advert, we, um, it's not made up. People feel like, oh, we, we, we add like 10 years of experience when we don't really need it. And that's not necessarily true. So um, there's a whole process that, that goes about creating this job advert. And it, it can only, uh, you know, include those important things. Okay, firstly. So then when a recruiter is reviewing your CV, they're checking that you are aligned in terms of the requirements of that particular job. And that's a process of just, you know, okay, here's, we're looking for a BCom, does this person have it? We're looking for whatever, does this person have it? Do they have the years of experience? If it's two years, do they have three or do they have two and a half or whatever? Okay, let's consider. Then they join this pile. So maybe on that pile, let's say 500 people applied. Okay, we bring it down to maybe, um, let's say 100, right? And then we start looking at that 100 full time. We say, okay, so who did exceptionally well? Who's had more experience? What are the other additional things that these people bring that makes them a little bit more special that makes them stand out okay and that could be um you know experience entrepreneurship anything that is that is uh, important for that particular job okay uh, for example if, if we're looking at mondelez we'd say this person's worked in fmcg that's great that's an addition because um you know that's a related industry but then we take it further uh monthly and we say okay let's do a screening call with these people because they're human beings uh, behind these pieces of paper right and we talk to them and we say what are you about? Uh, you know, this is what the job entails. How have you done this in the past? And we understand all of those things. And only then do we put those uh, candidates in front of the hiring manager to make a decision as to who they then want to interview. So it's a lengthy process and one that we take very seriously. We do try to give everybody an opportunity and everybody's resume gets looked at. Okay. Um, now we understand the recruiters. 
Mm. How do we know once we've got into the job? In fact, before we get into that, mm. I go now I get to the interview. Yes. Help us, Hunzi. Help us in terms of what we wear. Because mm. one is going for an interview as a, as, as a chef and the other one's going to an interview mm. as an engineer and the other one is going to an interview as a radio presenter. Like, I don't, mm. I don't see anyone coming to this building where I work <laughs> in, in a full-on suit for being a presenter. So what do we wear and how do we present ourselves? Uh, mm. The handshake, the eye contact, those simple things we sometimes yeah. miss out on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it depends uh, on the job. Like you say, you haven't seen anyone come walking in with a suit, right? I hardly see people walking in with suits anymore for interviews. I think it's just about um, being professional. So a shirt, not necessarily a tie. Um, if you're a man, a woman, definitely a shirt. And when it comes to women, it's, it's also things like makeup, right? Um, how much makeup should you put on? So is it a face beat or is it just, a, you know, your day-to-day makeup look? As well as earrings for women, um, if you're going to be sitting across someone in an interview, they don't want to be looking at your huge um, hoop earrings. Just wear earrings that are just uh, acceptable, that don't bring a lot of attention to uh, themselves. Um, and then it's about, you know, when we talk about that handshake, so arriving 15 minutes early to the interview and sitting at the at reception, when people pass by, greet them, smile, look like an approachable person. And then when you are invited in for the interview, handshake, yes, absolutely. And when you walk in, you know, try to keep the conversation light if there's an opportunity for that. Um, you know, you would have done some research on your interviewers, hopefully. You would have gone onto LinkedIn, you would have stalked them, you would have known something about them. And um, if there's somebody who enjoys tennis would say oh how was the tennis this weekend you know whoever won how wonderful was that or whatever the case is right just keep it light be an engaging um, person and then uh, you know you come in you stand you wait to be told to sit you sit comfortably and try to sit where there's no distractions behind you so that you are you can focus you know and and focus on the interview itself and then it's just about listening engaging and being present in the moment and I, I, you can't put enough emphasis on the listening part because sometimes people are sitting in interviews and they've prepared so much that they've decided what the answers are. They don't even listen to the questions any longer. So that's something that, you know, we must caution. And then when it comes to, you know, the interview itself and how to answer questions, you need to understand that interviews are really about evidence gathering. They're an evidence gathering mechanism. So the employer wants to know what you've done in the past that then tells them more or less that you will be able to do certain things in the future because past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior. Okay. So when answering questions, my suggestion really mindfully is that we use the STAR method. And what STAR stands for is that situation, task, action, and result. Now, it's not a matter of sitting there thinking, oh, have I ticked F, have I ticked T, have I ticked A? No, it's about just making sure that you tick all the, the, the what they would be listening out for, right? So, for example, um, the situation could be my manager asked me to prepare a presentation for a meeting with an agency. But the task could be I began sourcing our internal company collateral to ensure that the corporate colors and feel were, were there. 
and then action could be I completed the presentation and asked my colleague to ensure that it reads well. And then the result is my manager and I got praise for the presentation and she now trusts me with her presentations. So do you see that's a very basic example, but I've given you so much um, evidence as to what, how I went through the process and how um, I actually got that right. And it gives enough, uh, the, the person listening, enough evidence that you have done this before. And then another thing that's important within an interview pro, uh, uh, room is reading the room, like read the room, like you would with your friends. When you're out with, to lunch with your friends, if you're talking about something boring, you can see that hey, they've nodded off. I need to change the topic. So do the same in an interview. As people are listening out to your responses, they are reacting. They're reacting by either twiddling their thumbs, looking out the window, whatever the case is. Uh, so you need to bring them back. When you've lost people, bring them back. Interviews are normally 45 minutes, an hour. You've got all of that time to win people back. If you think that you've done, you've um, had an error with one response, don't give up. You know, just continue and just keep putting your best foot forward. One question, um, or not answering one question as best as you could, does not mean that you have now not been successful. So keep going and keep trying. Give it everything you've got. And I then, love it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and then just finally, there's just a very important one, is people don't ask questions. So when they're given the opportunity at the end of an interview to ask questions, they'll say, oh, I don't have any questions to ask. And that signals that you're not interested, you haven't done your research, or you're not invested, right? People who are invested ask questions. So ask questions. An example of a good question would be, what are you expecting to accomplish in the first 90 days? Questions like that show that you're interested and you're keen. Oh, wonderful. Um, let's take a quick break and we'll be back. There's a voice note from an A-team listener. E-job, E-job. E-job, E-job. E-job, E-job. Let's go to this voice note. Good morning, Sis Patricia. Good morning, A-teamers. Just a quick one for your guest. I just want to find out how true is it that sometimes posts are just put out as um, as just protocol, but um, they already know who the job is going to go to. They already have their own person, but they're just doing it for protocol. People can just come and just be interviewed. How true is that? Ooh, that sounds unethical. Yeah, that's a terrible misconception. And I think we, we really have a bad rep, honestly, as HR and as recruitment practitioners. We have a bad rep, and it's bad. Um, and, you know, on that one, I think, so organizations will have an internal process normally. We'll run an internal process. We'll identify, do we have the skills available internally or not? Sometimes the internal process is run at the same time as the external process. And that's where things like that can be perceived, right, as um, a job has a, has a person already and, you know, that kind of thing. But actually, it's just an, an efficiency thing where we're saying, let's look at the market and let's also look internally at the same time. And then let's, let's see who brings the best um, to the interview as well, to the process as well as to the interview. So, I mean, organizations have want the best person, but they don't want just the best person for the job today. 
the world that we are now moving towards and that we're in is an ever-changing world. So you're always looking for somebody who meets the requirements of the job today, but can meet the requirements of how the job changes in the future or future jobs in the organization. So you don't want someone to come in and then they're in a job and they just stay there and that's the only job that they can do. You want people with multitudes of skills and, and that. So you're looking for more than just that. So Sometimes that can look like, okay, uh, this job had had someone that had a name, but that's not the reality, I can assure you. Well, we hope that's not the reality, because uh, where does nepotism come in in all of this? Mm. And, you know, when it comes to things like nepotism, um, you know, as a, as a recruiter or as a hiring manager, if you are going to be faced with interviewing somebody that you know, you need to recuse yourself from the process. Like a judge in court would do, anyone would do, that's what the process would be. It would be, let me recuse myself and someone else will sit in this process. We also, do, by all means, try to keep panels um, really diverse, uh, Patricia. So when people are actually sitting there we um, interviewing, we want a representation of those people. So we don't want all men or all, um, um, you know, a certain race or whatever the case is. We want a diverse panel that can have different opinions about someone so that we kill um, opportunities for bias, you know. So we do our best to try and give candidates the best experience as well. As we close off, um, careers in the FMCG industry uh, that young people can consider, please share those with us, Khonsi. So, yeah, this is an, an, an amazing industry, especially for young people. Um, you know, you can come in as a graduate and you can build an incredible career. So, you know, you can come in as, for example, as a key account manager and you can become an e-commerce manager, which is an exciting space to be in. There are multitudes of opportunities in FMCG, but I would suggest that you please visit our, our career website. So if you go to Mondelez and you find careers, you'll see all the opportunities listed there. We are a multinational organization, so really the sky is the limit with us, but plenty of opportunities that can be explored um, within FMCG. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm hoping that uh, next time we speak, you'll tell us what opportunities are available for our listeners that you have in your organization. Yeah, sure, Patricia, definitely.